0: The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello,
1: and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks, your climate-focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson. Maybe you can't hear it, but I'm being serenaded by all the birds in my yard. And today, we are doing something a little different from the norm. I get a lot of emails from our fan base, and guess what? I save them. In lieu of a guest today, I am going to be answering your burning questions. Well, the ones that you shared with me, that is. And I'm going to do this with an assist from our producer, Price Atkinson, and, of course, the distinguished former congressman, Bob Inglis. Don't worry, listeners. These are not boring questions. And there are some fun ones, too. And you know what? Keep them coming. I would love to incorporate an episode like this every couple seasons or perhaps start sprinkling your questions a question or two into future episodes. So stay tuned. Your questions answered coming right
2: I'm Price Atkinson. You know me as producer as well as host Chelsea Henderson's sidekick here on The EcoRight Right Speaks. But I'm also Republican.org's communications and program director, and we want to work with you. Interested in having our executive director, Bob Inglis, participate in one of your events locally? Are you looking for a guest speaker on the EcoRight right to talk with the organization virtually? The name of the game for us is speaking to and communicating with fellow conservatives on the issue of climate change. Let us know if you're planning an event or interested in Bob or one of our team members, panels, keynotes, informal fireside chats. We're experienced and versatile in different event styles and settings. Contact me, price at republican.org, if you've got an idea. Thanks for listening, and now back to this week's episode.
1: So, Price, I know that I sort of dropped this surprise on the team that we are going to do a grab bag kind of, I don't want to call it a free-for-all, but a little Q&A of the team, and you don't know the questions that we are going to discuss today, which I think is so fun. It's like Sort of like a birthday.
2: I know nothing. So I'll answer them <laughs> and then it'll be post production where all this comes together. Um, <laughs> I think you got some Bob questions and some Bob answers. I haven't heard anything yet.
1: Yes. I don't know, I know. anything
2: yet. All I know is that you are <laughs> our maestro, our conductor, and I am just going to roll with those musical tones that you will uh, lay out
1: for us <laughs> today. Well, I, you know, I really have been wanting to do something like this for a while because I do get emails. Um, I get emails from our listeners. They get emails from our our members um, who get the week in review every Friday. And so I thought, why not take a little time to go through them all? I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I kind of like it when. The hosts do this so um (laughs) the first question i am going to actually punt it to you because i honestly don't really remember okay but i want to take you back in time price okay for our first question which is from mike in minnesota and he asks how did you land on the name the eco right speaks for your podcast And Price, I really don't remember.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. (sighs) I mean, it
1: was early days of the pandemic, right?
2: Yeah, that was a hazy time, not because of, you know, being, you know, COVID positive or anything. It was just a whirlwind of of a time that seems eons ago, yet like it was yesterday. And I think through the creative process, we were trying to Keep in line somewhat with Republic Inn. And I think somewhere during the course of a conversation with one, Alex Posmosky, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, Eco Right, because he coined the term, he is the founder, the owner, the trademarker, whatever you want to, you know, phrase it, he came up with Eco Right. And so I think it was, you know, because I, I think it was spawned somewhere there in kind of a converse, creative conversation brainstorm you know involving Alex and our entire team but that is my recollection to uh to our podcast name
1: I mean it's sort of an understandable that we wouldn't totally remember because this was a period of time you know we're about to have our 3rd anniversary mm-hmm. so we launched in t- June of 2020 mm-hmm. and we were really trying to reinvent the wheel of how we did our jobs and so much of our Jobs had been focused around Bob's travel, you and the planning and the execution and the coordinating with the folks on the ground and me with the writing about it and and sharing um, Bob's testimonials from those trips and Mm -hmm. photos and stuff. So suddenly we didn't have that anymore. Yeah. And but. I don't know if you remember this price. You and I wanted to do a podcast even before the pandemic and we didn't necessarily have the buy-in from our team. So we used the pandemic as an opportunity to push this as a new content stream and right. I don't think anyone thought we would still be here three years later still doing it.
2: Yes, yes. You, We did talk about this several times, I think probably in a couple of years, I don't know, maybe 2017, 2018. I don't remember the exact year, but we had, you know, had interest in doing something like this before. I think that, the, you know, the pandemic obviously kind of pushed us over the edge, clearly, you know, but like you said, kind of peeling the layers back, you know, it was a time when, you know. The oxygen, the complete oxygen when it came to uh, narratives, media, headlines. It was all, you know, pandemic driven, COVID driven, vaccine, you know, uh, stop the spread, you name it. Everything that had to do with COVID, economic, you know, terrible economic headlines daily. So it was a way to try and self publish um, and tell our, continue to tell our story. You know, because obviously everybody was hamstrung at that time. And, you know, to be able to, you know, self-publish and tell it in the way that we were doing versus our own, you know, kind of written pieces, it's a little bit more of a medium where I think people can kind of pick it up and, you know, immerse themselves, if you will, you know, toward listening. If they're out walking, if they're out exercising or if they're just, you know, out working in their garden, whatever it might be, that was kind of the impetus to do it because, you know with all the oxygen sucked out, you know and rightfully so at the time, you know especially when covid was we were really in the early stages of it, and like you said, Bob was not on the road, and typically we would get you know headlines, we were able to tell bob 's story about him, where we how we got to where we are, who we are, what we were doing, those stories were no longer being told in local communities as Bob was hitting the road and speaking to rotary clubs and student organizations and you know Republican executive committees and those kind of things so that self-publishing tool was um, was mighty handy for us, and obviously it's continued to be handy as we yeah. have continued on here as we barrel toward the end of Season 6, what, three years later? I mean, yeah, my goodness. Right. My well, goodness. For
1: people that are curious, too, about the term eco-right, because you did credit our pal Alex mm-hmm. Bosmosky. You know, this was a term that Alex created for those who don't know. To reflect those who are right of center and care about the environment. So eco Mm -hmm. and then right. So Mm -hmm. eco right speaks. We're not renaming it, so here we are. That's our name. Thank you, Mike, in Minnesota for that probing um, question. I wonder Moving where Mike, on.
2: I wish Mike had told us where he was from in Minnesota. I wonder if he's yeah. from the Iron Range that I love so much, especially in the wintertime. Yes, the Iron Range during the winter is awesome. It's,
1: you know, I've never been you... to Minnesota.
2: Oh, man. Oh, man. And
1: I want to go in the winter because you know I love me some winter culture.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm just going to – I'll just tell you, get up to uh, Hibbing, get to Bemidji, get to uh, Eveleth. Yes, get up to the Iron Range somewhere up there. You will thank me later. Just make sure you've got many layers. <laughs> many.
1: Yeah, protected from the frostbite. Yes. Um, well, our next question is somewhat tangentially related. Okay. And so I think it makes sense to do it now. Okay. Jennifer, Jennifer from South Carolina asks, your show is called The eco Right Speaks, but mm-hmm. I've noticed that not all your guests identify as right of center. Why is that? And Price, I'm going to just take that one myself because, sure. um, you know, while coming up with the roster of guests is definitely a team effort, Um you know, I'm the one that, that probably spends the most time thinking about who to have on the show and what the themes should be. And so one thing that I really try to do is think about the message more than the Mm -hmm. person. And while I wholeheartedly agree with Catherine Hayhoe, that the messenger and the message have to be in alignment, right? So if you If you find the messenger credible, you'll find the message credible. Um, I do think that there are times when the message that is being delivered is something that could resonate with somebody who is right of center, even if the person delivering it might not be. And so I'm trying to think of a good Mm -hmm. example. My eyes landed on the book by Heather White, One Green Thing. I talk about this book all the time. Heather worked for Democrats on the Hill. She identifies definitely left of center, but she wrote a book about how you personally can make a difference in the climate crisis by identifying your own sort of superhero power. And it's got quizzes, so you could figure out what that is and the little prompts of things you could do that will just ease your eco-anxiety. And so I thought that this would be a great tool. It doesn't matter to me what, you know, who Heather checks a box next to in the voting booth. She had a great book Mm -hmm. and a great message. So that's one thing I really try to do. And sometimes our guests, you know, given our name, our name does kind of give away, I think, um, um, who the audience is and what we're trying to do. People will say they'll be up front, right? I'm not right of center. I'm pretty middle of the road. Most people will say they're middle of the road. Honestly, I think that's where most people in America land, but they acknowledge that they have something important to say. And Mm -hmm. In the end, I, I think about who our audience is, and if that's good enough for me, then they're good enough for me, so to
2: speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with all that, and like you said, um, you you are the creative maestro when it comes to all this, and you know the message is is incredibly important, and it's not always about who delivers it, um, but there there a lot of people, no matter kind of where you're coming from, you know, right of center, left of center. Have, people have an interesting story, interesting, you know, things to say. And, you know, while it might not align with either box, you know, it might be, you know, somewhat uh, down the middle, it might be apolitical. Um, there's so great stories to tell, and there's so inter- interesting things to find out and learn from, you know, these, you know, variety, this kaleidoscope of, of guests that we've yeah. brought on that you put together. And so um you know, yes, no everybody knows that we're eco right, that we're the name of the game for us is trying to reach those on the right. Because if there's you know one segment that needs to be converted, it's those that are on the right. That's who we're trying to reach. And we know who our audience is, that's you that we're talking to right now, as well as those on the right. I keep saying the right, but there's plenty <laughs> on the left that have a lot of just great, interesting stories to tell. They're doing fascinating things, um, extraordinary things. And so hearing from them, you know, oftentimes is, um, I mean, it's not only inspiring, but it's, it's fun.
1: That's right. And, you know, I think that we have a really strong community and we have people in our uh Who listen to this show who are definitely are not on the right um mm-hmm. although I, most of our listeners are, and I think but they might take the the information that we hear and use it with somebody they know who might be eco hesitant to mm-hmm. borrow a word from our first season guest, um Lindsay Linsky, right mm-hmm. Lindsay was the one that coined eco hesitant, so um meaning those people that are a little wary about getting involved in um environmental issues primarily because maybe they've been um coded to think that that's not something that you should care about if you're on the right. And so anyway, um, I think that there's a role for everyone to play. And as somebody, I don't remember who says, like, climate change doesn't care if you're Democrat or Republican, if you're red or you're blue, right? It's kind of common for us all. So uh, we've all got to be in this together in any way that we can spread the messages to people that for whom they will resonate. That's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. Um, Christ, we're off the hook for the next question because okay. it's going to go to our esteemed leader, Bob Inglis. There would be no right or Republican.org or right Speaks if it weren't for this um, wonderful human. So comes anonymously from a longtime member of our community who okay. gets Week in Review and is, I'm just going to say, is something of a pen pal of mine. Um, okay. And just a little pro tip that you two listeners, if you are not part of our community, you can sign up now at republician.org slash join forward slash or backward slash price for,
2: forward slash. slash, slash join. Yes, join. there you go. Thank That's you for it. being
1: uh, the technological guru. Anyway, <laughs> the question is, Bob Inglis seems to travel around the country quite a lot. And I'm wondering how he chooses which places to attend in-person events And why so many events in Indiana, which made me chuckle.
2: (laughs) Here's Robert Durden Inglis with his answer.
3: We're targeting our efforts in certain key states, Florida and the Carolinas, because the water is coming up and there's a felt need for action on climate change. Indiana, because Senator Mike Braun has been willing to lead on the topic. And that's a really pretty courageous leadership. Um, Utah, because Senator Mitt Romney has likewise been willing to speak out on climate. And our friend John Curtis in the house has been particularly effective in leading. So we're happy to be in Utah to, to uh, continue the education there to uh, uh, support those efforts. And then uh, Idaho, because uh, Mike Simpson um, is aware of the role of climate change on the future of the salmon in the Snake River. And Mike uh, is out to save those salmon, says they're God's most amazing creatures. And then finally, Eastern Washington, because Kathy McMorris-Rogers, the chairman of the Energy and Commerce Committee in the House, is a friend and somebody who I know cares about climate and about the future of the planet, because um, she's a caring person. And so uh, those are our target states, the places we're mostly focusing our effort, Florida and the Carolinas, Indiana, Utah, Idaho, and eastern Washington.
1: Price, I actually was thinking back on, on this. I mean, Bob's travel is so core to what we do. And Um, we've been pretty consistent in what our target states are. You know, some have fallen on or fallen off and some have come back on. I feel like Indiana is a state that we've kind of really gone um, pedal to the ground on in the last couple of years, primarily because some of those influential lawmakers there um, on the right who care about climate change. And so it's, you know, it's fun for me to get to feel like I'm learning about a state that I don't otherwise have a lot mm-hmm. of, of knowledge about. So places like Indiana and Idaho, I have been to Indiana. I've never been to Idaho. So like hearing the experiences that Bob has at these events is insightful to the work that we do. And I know he's just happy to be back on the road again, even though we still mm-hmm. do virtual events and listeners, if you have a virtual event that you want to invite Bob or one of us to then you know throw it at us but um, the in-person events are just a little more meaningful I think
2: yeah especially in our you know target areas with Bob which Bob hit on and you know a couple of those target areas that we have not been to yet that we will be going to in the fall uh, Utah Idaho as you mentioned and then um, eastern Washington the, the eastern port of Washington State um, have not had a West coast trip uh, really yet this year, which we will, uh, we will get to one, Uh, you know, done some virtual stuff a little bit, but um, you know, virtual in person, we like doing both, you know, especially when it comes to our target areas, but we love to go in person, obviously going uh, out to the West is a little bit more difficult, but, you know, bringing it back a little bit closer to home, Florida, you know, another target area, which is pretty self-explanatory, don't need to you know really explain it. Uh, the Carolinas, uh, as you, um, well, Indiana, as you mentioned, and then, of course, the Carolinas. And, and what there's no like magic formula of why we picked um, the places that we have, you know, and I say, you know, like eastern Washington, really the eastern part of the state. And, and we say the Carolinas, but, you know, that Charleston area along the coast for a lot of specific reasons versus, say, maybe like the Midlands or the upstate of South Carolina where I You know, Bob and I reside, but there wasn't like a specific formula why that we developed for these target areas/slash states. You know, it's kind of a combination of factors. But yes, that is primarily uh, where we do most of our programming, and we'll go other places. I mean, certainly, um, if it's a right-of-center audience, you have a a lot better shot to get us there in person, um, but that's not to say that we won't travel to non-target areas. It's just that we try and put most of our time, resources, elbow grease in those areas that we're, you know, just trying to program and do so much, so much of our work in.
0: We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at RepublicEN.org. Now, back to this week's episode.
1: I was going to say when you mentioned East, Eastern Washington that um, knowing Bob the way that I do, he is not motivated to go there for the wonderful wine that mm-hmm. they produce there, which would be incentive for me to want to go, and which is why I went to Yakima um, shortly after Bob did last fall. So, um, anyway, thank you so much, listener, for that question. Um, Price, this is a good one. Okay. Um, so this for me, for you, for both both of us, for both of us, I'm going to make, well, I'm going to make you answer first just because I like putting you on the spot. Um, so this writer says, love the show, the high caliber guests, but also enjoy Chelsea and Price's banter at the end. Yes. (laughs) So glad to hear that people like that. Um, one serious question and one fun question from this person that wrote in to me. The serious question is, do you think we'll ever see the U.S. impose a carbon tax? Yes. Are you you're a betting guy and you're saying yes. Yes,
2: I am a betting guy. <laughs> I think it will happen eventually. Um, Hopefully it's while we are still uh, Republican.org and doing the work we're doing because it will mean that I think that it will have it will mean that we had a hopefully, a major hand in it. I'm not going to be conceited on this, but I'm hoping that if it does, when we do cross that finish line, because I do believe it will happen, Mm -hmm. like you said, that it will have had something to do with the work that we're doing. And again, I'm not naive to think it's... Simply, strictly because of us, I think it'll be because of other eco, uh, those on the eco right, other organizations, because, you know, when we right, exactly. When we first launched in 2012 and, you know, as Bob talks about back from when he was in Congress and I worked for for him when uh, 2006 to 2010, there were no others on the eco right. There were no other. There were no ACC's. There were no students for carbon dividend. There were no uh, YCCD. There were there were none of those other groups on the eco-right, we were the first really on the scene, um, you know, at what was first called the Energy and Enterprise Initiative before we rebranded and what was that, November 2012 to Republican.org. It was a lonely, but it was a lonely bench there for a long time. And so we've now, you know, been joined by many others and we're excited to have many others here playing in our sandbox because, I mean, it takes more than just us, you know, while our MO and our you know, the way we're operating and what we're doing is different than the others. I mean, it, it takes an army to try and do this. And, you know, we, we've, we've made progress. You know, my daughter literally just asked me this question. She's 10. We were coming back from camp this morning and she was asking me about dad does, um, are you guys, have y'all made progress? And I said, yeah, we definitely have sweet, but you know, it's, it's, it's very small, incremental progress. And yep. It's going to continue to be small and incremental, but progress is progress.
1: Well, and I think that the progress we can most point to right now is discussions underway in Congress for the CBAM, the Carbon Border Adjustment Mechanism. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a, you know, basically a tariff, right, on – on goods that would come into this country with a high carbon intensity and i think that's kind of the start right so we have lots of bipartisan interest in that a bill is is imminent from what mm-hmm. i hear in the senate and i think that's a really good sign and i agree with you we will see a carbon tax you know not this year but as you said hopefully while we're still in the game because it's you know it's a marathon not a sprint on capitol hill mm-hmm. we both know that as former um as former staffers and so, you know, you don't want to drop out of the marathon at mile 20. You want to finish it. <laughs> you want that. Mm-hmm. I want that finisher medal, you know, so bad. So um, right. price the fun question. Okay. What plans do you have for a summer vacation?
2: Mm, beach, um, driving kids back and forth to a lot of camps. Ooh, because... It's so
1: fun. Every parent's favorite thing to do.
2: August first, we'll be here before we know it. With school starting, and um,
1: wait, your school starts August first?
2: Excuse me, August the second. I was oh, jumping the gun God. by a day. Sorry. Wow. Um, we're yeah, we're just getting closer to year-round school. Um, wow. you know, and getting to see uh, a few, a few shows, uh, a few concerts. The Pixies, Driving and Crying. Um, wow. The Cure, a few others. Um, you wow. know. Awesome that some bands are, you know, back out on the road making up for lost time. So excited to do that. Uh hit a few of those here and there. What about you?
1: So I will be taking my summer trek to Maine in August. And I'm gonna go up twice because um my brother who lives inside outside Seattle, he and his wife decided that They need to come home to maine this summer and they are going in sort of early august which is not the time that i like to go Mm -hmm. i like to go at the end of the month because my sister's birthday our sister's birthday is on the 31st and she takes the whole week off of her birthday Mm -hmm. and we just have fun we go to the beach we go on hikes we eat fabulous dinners and i want to do both right i want to go home when my brother is going to be there but i also want to do this annual um tradition now with my sister. So it just so happens that the time when my brother and sister in law are going to be in Maine is it coincides with my 35th eek, high school reunion. Ooh. I totally just dated myself. So extra incentive to go up. So that'll be a quicker trip and then come back, work for a few weeks, and then take that long, um, that long week off right before Labor Day. Really looking forward to that.
2: Am I a bad guy that I don't do high school reunions? Does that make me. It,
1: I mean, my high school class was small and I mostly see the people I want to see, right? I have a group of girlfriends that I'm in touch with and we have a group chat. And um, so mostly it's kind of an excuse to go up and see them and then... I'll probably get in a couple climate change fights with some folks and I'll try not to <laughs> in a bar fight though. <laughs> I'll do my best to be persuasive and not uh, reactionary. But
2: imagine you coming off the top rope in a bar brawl. <laughs> I can't see it. I'm sorry. Hey, I just I've can't been working it.
1: out, Price. I'm working out.
2: <laughs> I am too, but I still couldn't come off the top rope in a bar brawl.
1: Price, question number number five. <laughs> We're gonna pivot back to Bob. This one is from our friend Alex. Hi, Alex, in Montana. He,
2: he certainly would not come off the top rope in a bar brawl. Continue on. Sorry. Um,
1: <laughs> Bob or Alex Bosmoski? Either. Either.
2: Alexander would. Robert Durden yeah. would not.
1: <laughs> Someday I'll tell the listeners about the time I did get into a bar fight about climate change at a very fancy bar. With
2: or without Alex?
1: No, no. Alex Alex is before. This is B.A. before Alex.
2: You were going to (laughs) say with Alex W.A., I was going to be like, oh, my God, there is something I do not (laughs) know about. Do tell. All right. Back on the show. Back with Alex with the different
1: Alex. Alex from Montana. What is the most effective thing that Bob has said to eco hesitant folks that convinced them to support market based solutions like carbon pricing with border carbon adjustments? So take it away, Bob.
3: So, what's the most effective thing we can say to the eco-hesitant? Well, mostly that we need you, that we want you, and that uh, you're important to solving this problem. And that may sound a little bit like something we all learned in kindergarten, but actually that is what we need to do, is just remember what we learned in kindergarten. Is if you tell people you like them and you want them involved, then they're likely to want to be involved. But if you tell them you don't like them and you don't want to be involved, well, you get what you ask for. And so what's happened way too often is conservatives have been told, uh, we don't like you, we don't want you. And uh, the result is, okay, we won't join you then in this discussion about how to solve climate change. So the most effective thing that people can do in reaching the eco-hesitant is saying to them hey you're really important we really need you in on this thing let's see what would what, what would make it possible for you to get involved what what can we what can we do together that's the thing that would get them involved and of course then if you can also open yourself up to market-based solutions that say oh yeah you know what free enterprise is the only force fast enough, and scalable enough to solve this problem, then, well, you can get them really involved. And if you can show them as well how you can get the whole world in on this thing by um, attaching the negative effects of burning fossil fuels at our borders through a carbon border adjustment mechanism, now you're really talking about ways to get the eco-hesitant involved. But it starts really with just telling them, no, you're not going to be canceled. We need you. We want you. We're just going to take every, it's going to take all of us to solve this. That's the most effective thing we could say.
1: Ice. We just have one question left. Can you believe it?
2: Um I can and before we get to that question, I want to shout out a few new members because you sure, should go for out, it. Told everybody how to join Republican.org forward slash join.
1: Forward slash not backwards Forward
2: slash, slash join. <laughs> um John A in Massachusetts, Robert H in West Virginia, Carol B. Montana, Fred S in Wisconsin, and Mildred B in your favorite home state of Maine. There you go.
1: Mildred, good to have you.
2: So shout out to all of them for standing with us. We appreciate it. Again, Republican.org forward slash join. All right. Last question. I can't wait to hear what it is. Last
1: question comes from Steve in Florida who wants to know this. You haven't had an episode on this topic, but I'm wondering how you feel about the push to convert from gas to induction stoves price. This is, you know, this is why I picked this question. Oh, boy. Not from a culture wars perspective, but as someone who talks and writes about cooking a lot. So Steve must be both a Weekend Review subscriber where I do talk about cooking and ask for recipes frequently. Anyway, he goes on. I've always found gas stovetops easier to cook on and I want to do right by the environment, but I also like a good sear on my steak. And man, I am with you, Steve from Florida. So Price, I'm just going to go first on this one and um, tell a little story about the gas oven range that I have at my house, which belonged to my great grandmother. We called her Daisy because she Mm. didn't want to be called grandma when my dad was a baby. So we called her Daisy. Daisy lived to be 101, so you list long-time listeners will remember that my my grandmother died last year at the mm-hmm. age of 104. So this was her mother, lived to be 101. My financial planner says I'm going to live to be 109 and that we need to project savings for me to live that long, which I'm like, "Eek, I don't know that I want to be 109." But I digress. So Daisy was a baker and she had this amazing um Wedgwood is the brand gas stove sort of that enamel white and she was always baking, always baking, mm-hmm. always baking. And I remember playing on the floor in her ha- in her kitchen. She had this huge, I guess it was open concept before open concept was a thing before we called it that, but really big kitchen dining room, area. and I would play on the floor and she would bake and it was always really exciting to get to taste what she had prepared. And then when she eventually got too old to take care of herself and had to go to a nursing home, my great uncle sold the house. Okay. And so years later, my dad was driving by the home and it was a place of nostalgia for him. And so he, you know, stopped the car parked mm-hmm. and was kind of poking around being a little nosy. He's a reporter. So, you know, mm-hmm. he's got that nosy thing or for, recovering reporter and the new, new owner. Um, hey, can I help you? And my dad explained the history with the house. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, come in and see some of the updates I've made. So walks my dad through and there is Daisy's oven. And my dad Mm. starts waxing nostalgic, right, about this, like his grandmother, baker, blah, 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 daughter playing on the floor, all the things I just shared. And the guy was like, this old clunker, go down to Sears and get me a new one and it'll be an even trade. And my dad drove to Sears, picked out a new one and took Daisy's stove to the house that he was living in at the time. Fast forward many years, my dad moved to a place that did not have a gas line. And so the stove was in storage. And then um, I do have gas hookup at my house and had just sort of probably a cruddy old thing from Sears, like the one he replaced daisies with. And so he shipped it to me from California. Hmm. So I have now had it in my house since 2008. That is a long time. And it does sear Steve a very mean steak. So Steve cares about a good sear on a steak. Mm. So do I. The problem is that has a continuously running pilot light. So there's always just the faintest aroma of gas in my house. Mm-hmm. My kitchen also gets hella hot. Are we allowed to say hella on this podcast? Yeah, uh, <laughs> hella hot in the summer, because that's like in the evenings, the sun is setting and it's coming in the kitchen windows. Plus the continuously running pilot light means the whole unit is pretty warm all the time and great in the winter, not so great in the summer. And the, baking is like kind of uneven. I'll say like, even when I put the the temperature on, I'm even with a thermometer, like it's never really clear. Like, is it 375? Is it 415? Like, where is yeah. it? So I am really intrigued by this, um, these incentives to convert to using induction, which would require closing off the gas line, which I've already talked to my plumber about having an electrical switch, basically, um, a power you know, outlet installed in this vicinity that the induction could use. And then they say that the modern induction, so not the induction of 10 years ago or 15 years ago, but modern induction that maybe you can get that good sear TBD, I will report back, but I am committed to sometime this year making that conversion. And I've already found a vintage, um, place that will take Daisy's stove and, and do something with it. Find a good home for it. Somebody else that will appreciate its value. And so that was my very long answer, Steve. I'm with you with being a little wary, but in terms of the culture wars thing, like, Hey, come on listeners. No one is banning the use of gas.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <It> that's <is. laughs> yeah. Like, I- that was
1: a neat, like a weird reaction. It's not happening. There are incentives, though, for those that want to make the conversion. So in the free market, right, you create incentives for people. People take them or they don't. And so I, I might take one of those, and I'll report back, as I said.
2: Yeah, we have our electric stove, but you know what my, the answer to a good char is? Our grill. grill. Love <laughs> I our grill. I mean, we probably cook on our grill, and I won't say it's 50-50, but – we use our grill quite a bit, and that's during the winter all year round because yeah. you just can't get in. You know,
1: Price, you just solved the culture wars. Grill, uh, baby, grill. It, that's <laughs> what it is. And,
2: you know, it's so, but you could get mad at me whether it's, you know, we do have propane. I like the taste mm-hmm. of a charcoal better, but, you know, mm-hmm. charcoal obviously takes longer, um, yeah. you know, to fire it up. I love the taste of charcoal, but propane it is. Yeah. So that is the answer to a good char, though. Yeah.
1: <laughs> crisis this has been so fun having this time to chat with you. Usually we just get those few minutes at the end and our team calls. And so really been fun to reflect a little bit on um, what makes the show go. And so grateful to listeners for engaging with us, right? Like you, I, I was thinking back and I don't know that I've ever really engaged with any of the podcasts I listen to. I've given them reviews because reviews are important, but I don't email them or, or provide any feedback. And so You know, this is a Community work community, and we're so glad to have you and to hear you and to be able to answer your questions. So keep them coming. Not sure if we'll do an episode like this again, but maybe we could, you know, integrate a question or two um, in a future episode. So if you're curious, just ask.
2: Yes, absolutely. Drop us a line. Let us know uh, what kind of questions you've got. Specifically, send them to one host extraordinaire, Chelsea Henderson who is fan-freaking-tastic. So get your questions to her. And as you heard earlier, if you've got uh, interest in an event programming, uh, anything on that front, drop me a line, price at republican.org. Let me know what it is that you've got. But as we use uh, say often, the investors on this show are our listeners. And without them investing their time every week, we cannot do this every single Tuesday as we drop a new one. So appreciate everybody for investing in us in checking out our guests in the content we have every single week, because it is because of them, our listeners, that we continue to go round. Chelsea.
1: That's right. And um, speaking of next week, we have our pal, Tom Moyer from Utah. He's going to talk about the great state of Utah and why it's just really taking steps, um, you know, f- toward, uh being supportive of, of climate solutions. They've got a great delegation. And so looking forward to chatting with him. I haven't seen him for a few years since the last time we had an in-person uh, conservative climate caucus event at um, the annual CCL meeting. So very much looking forward to that conversation and we're wrapping up soon. So just three more episodes after this, Tom and two more and another guest and then wrap up episodes. So Listeners, you've gotten us through season six. We're so grateful. Thank you so much.
2: And we will certainly see you for season seven in the fall. But until
0: next week, Chels. See you then, Price. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.